When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Gotta eat. There Gotta it is. Eat. TCL Broadcast Studios. That's right. It is the football hour. Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, who joins us on Tuesdays. And then don't forget, so the football hour goes five to six. It does. But then six to seven on Tuesdays, we have Purple Live, in which Courtney and I talk all Minnesota Vikings football for an hour. And we will be joined by Doug Farrar today at 6 30. So, Collar, you presented a, a very interesting question. And I believe the answer from the National Football League is a resounding yes. But, Courtney, start us off with this. What do you think of the game today and the offense? Do, do, you, enjoy, do you enjoy what you're seeing on a weekly basis? Because the league has definitely gotten this game to where they want, which is a ton of penalties. If your defense does something wrong, you're in trouble, blah, blah, blah. Do you like what you're seeing from the game today? Yes and no. I think that the comparisons we get now with the Rams going back to the greatest show on turf or at an all-time high, and it's kind of, there's a reason behind that. The NFL is concerned about viewership. All the things that Donald Trump was saying about a year ago and losing viewers, that's that really hit home, I think, for a lot of NFL executives, owners, the higher-ups, and they're like, well, what can we do if we're losing fans who think that these games are boring and they're tired of seeing games like you know the Titans and the Bills ending in a 13-12 score? Defense isn't sexy. It's just not sexy to today's NFL. It's to Zim. It is to Mike Zimmer. You know, <laughs> He's God, like, I love defense. God bless him. But and I like good defensive play too. I mean, that's what that's the old Smash Mouth NFL that is just not around in today's NFL because it's not allowed to be there because just, of these penalties. Should we just eliminate the Tennessee Titans from the NFL then? Because they're <laughs> they're responsible for like seventy five percent of like. The thirteen to ten, well, how about Jacksonville, ten to then? six. Well, yeah, Bulls it's long? it's basically whenever the Titans and Jaguars play, it's always nine to six, thirteen to nine. Some and sort that's of, not that's not always the product of good defenses. Right, there's been a lot of trash teams. defenses yes. before. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, there's. I think that there's a benefit to seeing the completion percentage right now at an all-time high among quarterbacks. I think there's reasoning behind quarterbacks throwing the ball better, but also that those stats are padded by the lack of defense. And, 
you know, maybe it's attention spans. I don't know. I mean, what what you're trying to, what the root of all of this is, why fans don't want to see the NFL of old and why this appears to be working for, you know, the numbers and viewership and in a lot of these games getting big time, you know, big time audiences. Well, well, look at, look at Drew Brees. Now, Drew Brees next week is going to throw his 500th touchdown pass and he's going to be fourth all time. And the other three guys in front of him have all played all through their 500 touchdown passes in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all of these numbers that we've seen, all of these Hall of Fame quarterbacks from the 70s and 80s and even 90s get in. Like, all of these numbers are going to be shattered. And part of that is due to an obliteration in some sense of a lot of run games. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something I know that the Vikings are dealing with right now and that – you know that's you know whether it's defenses scheming against you or offensive line issues or a litany of things. I mean that's why those numbers are possible because if you're throwing if teams are averaging absurd amount of attempts like Kirk yep. Cousins the last few weeks throwing upwards of you know this past week was kind of an anomaly which is kind of the crazy thing that 37 times throwing the ball <laughs> is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see numbers like that, there's a reason that 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 whole stretch of you know Hall of Fame quarterbacks and, and the passing leaders of our generation are, yeah. are skewed. I, I think we are at a point where it is a threshold. If it goes any farther than this, then maybe people will start to find it to be ridiculous. I don't think that there's anything that can truly take down the NFL. And maybe last year, some of the ratings dips came because of just a surprising number of quarterbacks who weren't in or got hurt. I mean, Andrew Luck was not playing at all last year. Aaron Rodgers got hurt early. Even Ryan Tannehill, he's an NFL quarterback. He gets hurt. Deshaun Watson get hurt. And then all of a sudden, yeah, no one's watching a Monday night game where it's, you know, Matt Moore against uh, Tom Savage or something. Sorry, no one's going to watch that game. That's another part of this year's offensive explosion is that everyone's healthy. There are no injured quarterbacks in the NFL in part because you can't hit them anymore. But, I mean, that's, that's that is a positive, right. though, for every fan. So, I, This is where I feel like it will be interesting to see how defenses adjust, but every fan who goes to a game on Sunday, almost across the board, unless you like Jacksonville, you see pretty good quarterback play. And even sometimes Bortles is good enough to throw for 300 yards. I think that is a plus for the amount of talent that there is there and how those players are succeeding. Players like Baker Mayfield who move the needle or Deshaun Watson who make you want to watch them. I I like where we're at with that. But I think if we go any farther and you feel like any old joker can play quarterback and put up 4,000, 5,000 yards, that's where it would be a problem. And good quarterback play, though, to a point that you made to me sitting in the press box in Philadelphia, is not necessarily entertaining quarterback play at all times. Blake Bortles had you fully entertained where he threw a pass off of his lineman's head, and then you sent me something yesterday where it was a perfect spiral. It was, I think my grandmother, I think I could have thrown it better than that. I have seen punts that are more of a spiral than uh, one of the passes Blake Bortles through it did amaze us that sometimes like this is the fun of looking at things in training camp where sometimes things are so obvious to you that they're going to happen during the season Daniil Hunter being a monster this year we watched him just shred everyone in preseason and training camp like yep this guy is going to kill people this year and Blake Bortles coming to Minnesota to practice and throwing picks every other pass like you know what I don't think that's going to work out so with the direction we're going though if you're building a team now, do you do you go for more defense to try and get better players, or do you say bleep it? We've got a salary cap and we've got only so much room, 
And therefore, we're going to put together what might be considered a respectable defense, but we're going to spend our cash on quarterbacks, receivers, offensive linemen, Eureka, things like that, <laughs> because because the league has made this such an offensive show now that it makes more sense to spend your spend the majority of your cash on offense because if you do it on defense, it might only benefit you to a certain degree. That's a good question because because if you're Zim, you got to be saying to yourself, "How the hell am I supposed to do this anymore?" And, Draft cornerbacks is what I thought the answer was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the answer. You, oh, hey, oh, uh, Will oh, Hernandez is still shot. the uh, Thank top. Thank you, Courtney Cronin. You're welcome. Will Hernandez very still unpurple top friendly PFF there, rated, by good. the way. Uh, Will Hernandez still playing no, well for the Giants. Uh, what, no, to, to your point is really interesting because it's about team building and how the Vikings basically decided to go all in on defense the entire time Mike Zimmer was here to rebuild the defense and then signed the $84 million veteran quarterback to attempt to take them to the Super Bowl. And they probably missed their number one defense window, I don't see this defense. I, I could see it being good, but even on Sunday, the Eagles moved the ball quite a bit, and then they fumbled twice yeah. right into the hands of the Vikings. But overall, it was not a lockdown, stop-everything type of performance from the defense that we saw at times last year. It's so hard to replicate that in consecutive years. I mean, we saw, we'll look at, we're just a couple of years removed from the Broncos Carrying Peyton Manning to a Super but Bowl with my Von point, Miller playing out of his mind. My point and is, even just the next year, that defense wasn't as good. It might be impossible now. Forget replicating it, doing it. I think it's impossible to be as dominant as Denver was, and that was historically good, and that's what it usually takes for a team to win on the basis of their defense. But when you look at the, especially passing will predict your winning, how well you pass, how well you defend the pass. It's no surprise that when you look at historically who won the Super Bowl, it's usually teams who are good at both. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's it's the Rams basically. Is that right now? If you were putting your cash down on anyone, it's the Rams, and they team built around both offense and defense, and it was all predicated on not paying a quarterback. And that was the same thing with the Seattle Seahawks. Their offense was great. Marshawn Lynch was incredible. They passed the ball really well with Russell Wilson on the rookie quarterback contract, and then going forward, that's where they had their troubles. And I wonder about the Vikings going forward from here, because they could still win. I mean, they still have a very talented team. I wonder if with that contract Mm -hmm. for Kirk Cousins, if that's going to be a possibility for this team to stay strong on both sides of the ball. I agree. I think that there's something to be brought up here, though, about the trend. Because I've I've wondered this. You know, everybody's complaining about the three-point explosion over the last few years in the NFL. Do you see any sort of similarity with that here? NBA, you mean? Sorry. Yeah, whatever whatever that sport is that they throw the orange ball into the hoop. Um, (laughs) The one we're not good uh, at It's basket hoops. Yeah. One of us is not good. One one person in here, not me. No, I'm saying the NBA team. Oh, okay. That's oh, fair. I, I thought you meant Whether you. No, about you no, I wasn't, three no point... I was not comparing you two to me in basketball. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I would not do that. I'm not that haughty. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because I think that that was the turning point of why the NBA grew into... It's hugely popular with the millennial crowd, particularly yeah. from about 2014 on through really what the Warriors did and what the root of their success is. And now everyone's copying that model. Three-point shot. Our teams and our GMs and our ownership trying to copy the model that we've seen where it is, I mean, you can combat the passing league all you want Mm -hmm. with defensive choices in the draft, but... The reason why we see five quarterbacks taken in the first round, and I know this class was kind of an anomaly in its own right, just with you know the, the talent that was there, but 
it seems like that's we're we're part of this overarching trend that is kind of exploding within the game the way a three-point shot has in the NBA. That's a great point is that, you know, when you see where the NBA was in 2005 or something when the, isn't that when the Pistons beat the Lakers by having <laughs> Rashid and Ben Wallace That was that was, that was the year of the fight. Yeah. The fight was technically 0-4, but same season. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that was that was Pistons Spurs, and Game Seven was like I think seventy nine to seventy two. Yes, that's right. And yeah. Ben Wallace committed literal homicides on the court on a <laughs> nightly basis and should have been arrested. And then you know that we don't see brawls anymore in the NBA. They've made it a lot softer than it used to be when I was growing up, and that kind of reminds me of the personal fouls now. That when you used to go into the lane, and even when Ben Wallace was here, you don't even have to go back to Bill Lambeer. But what have we seen? That fans have not turned away because Michael Jordan's not getting hit in the mouth. You're, right? such, you're such a 90s Knicks homer. You, <laughs> you, you miss Charles Oakley and, I mean, John and Anthony back. Mason. I, don't you? Back. But, but I've always, li- I mean, I always like that. I like tough defenses too and always grew up enjoying teams that were really good on defense. But I think that if you're talking about overall popularity, you're 100% right, Courtney, that the three-pointer sell, the big scoring sells, Steph Curry sells, Pat Mahomes running all over the place and throwing touchdowns, Drew yeah. Brees, 122 quarterback rating, like that stuff. And the ratings are up. Does better, right. Yeah. And I, They're up. Can I add one, yeah. point, one quick point? I think also what the league is doing, I think it's also a reaction to the kneeling. I think that they wanted to change the narrative away from the kneeling and onto, hey, look at all these amazing quarterbacks. Don't you think? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's I think speaks to the larger problem at hand of why the attendance of why the perceived notion of why the attendance was down, yep. and that whether that was true or not, they were going to try to combat this however they could. Which, I think you're right. You know, I think you're right. I think the networks came to them and said, "We can eliminate the anthem. We just won't show it." It was never on though, we, in the first place. But they started to show it last year when when it gained steam. But what I think the network said to them is, "We'll help you out here. Aaron Rodgers has to play." Yep, like we sure. can't yep. show Hunley anymore. We yep. can't do that. We're not paying you millions of dollars or billions to mm-hmm. show to show crap. And they even flexed games. So just a funny thought. They flexed games where he was playing last year. Flexed them to Sunday Night Football. Absolutely. Just because the Packers have that national popularity. And when you have teams like that that are missing your star player, mm-hmm. that's going to hurt. 651-646-8255. Do you like, like where the National Football League has gone uh, but first, it's time to talk to our friend, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get... Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. It's brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. We still have that situation at 35W southbound near Burnsville between the Minnesota River and Black Dock Road. Uh, yeah, expect some long delays, about an extra 11 or 12 minutes to your commute if you're headed that way. That's due to a crash. Uh, the left lane is closed, and uh, for about the next hour and 20 minutes or so, expect that delay to continue. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Football! Football, yeah! Yeah! Football! Football! The football hour continues. Zolgad, Collar, Hill, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Don't forget, Purple Live comes up at 6 o'clock. 651-646-8255. The conversation is about uh, the National Football League and all this offense, which leads to very little defense these days. Sean, how are you? 
I'm good. How's it going? It's going. I, I like to say no. I do not like the way the direction of the league is going. Defense to me always wins championships. Bottom dollar, and the it just takes the fun away from it. There's it's no fun. I you know it should be equal, but taking away the defense is just no fun to me. That's just my opinion. And thank you for letting me say that. Yeah, sure thing. Now I, you know where I. I think it gets to is you appreciate great defenses in a different way. You feel like teams that won with defense had to earn it by playing as a team. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Where instead of maybe you just give the ball to Odell Beckham all the time and all of a sudden somehow the Giants offense can score 30 points because Beckham is just that good and he threw a touchdown and and he's making amazing catches. And so one offensive player can dominate. We've seen that with quarterbacks. Whereas on defense, you feel like it takes... The brilliant strategic minds, like the, the the Mike Zimmer, who has had to work for a really really long time to get this to be the defensive guy, and we look at Parcells and we put him up on a different level because of his defensive genius, right? And there's something that's to, fun about that and true about that. I will say, when it comes to your who wins championships across the board, it's teams that have both offense and defense. Yeah, I mean the the great quarterbacks are the ones who won the championships all the way throughout history. I mean, go back however long you want to go back. It's always great quarterbacks and great offenses and passing games. And I think I read that the average Super Bowl champion has the sixth best passing game in the league at any given time. That's your average Super Bowl champion. So passing is going to win you Super Bowls most of the time. But I, I think that now when we look at these defenses getting shredded, even ones like Jacksonville that are very talented, it takes away from even thinking about and wanting to praise and appreciate that level of it. You can appreciate guys who sack quarterback. Interceptions don't happen anymore, though. I mean, there used to be, it used to be like, yeah, man, this guy had eight picks this year. Imagine if somebody got eight picks. It just doesn't happen <laughs> anymore. No, no one could ever get like ten interceptions again because the offensive play is just too good. So it's almost removed that part of the game that a lot of people enjoyed watching. Well, the other thing, too, to piggyback off of that, okay, defense wins championships. Okay, but when you look at the historically great defenses in the history of the NFL, so you think of the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the Mm -hmm. 02 Buccaneers, you could even maybe put the Broncos of 2015 into that conversation, too. I would. But think about those Super Bowls, the, the Seahawks in 2013. Those were some of the worst Super Bowls played. That's true. In the in the fifty, we've had what fifty two of them. Yeah, some of the yeah. worst Super Bowls that have been played have been played by the historically great defenses that destroyed whoever they were playing. Yeah, the entertainment value of watching offenses go up and down the field. Look at watching Drew Brees last night. Did you enjoy it? I sure did. Yeah, I mean, I. Did I care so much that Washington didn't know what they were doing on defense? Or did I care that Breeze had this unbelievable historic moment? And if you're going to keep having those historic moments, like Mark McGuire in 98, Courtney's favorite season, I mean, that's how you get attention. That's how you get people to watch and care, right? That was what I was going to bring up before the break. Do you think that over the last decade or so, why did the why did the baseball do that? Because the strike was not that long before, and they needed to get fans back in the game. Yes. And that's why they allowed steroids, they allowed this offensive explosion to happen um, before it became really an issue, before it overtook the game to where they had to knock it off a pedestal. Where's baseball now? We're kind of back into this home run race, and, and that's why 
the sports becoming more popular. I would say, again, that it hasn't been in the last five years. I just think that people's attention spans have something to do with this and that the art of good defensive play, the art of creative scheme, blitzes, um, different ways to contain high-octane offenses is just underappreciated because once something's stunted and it stops, yep. then they just move on to the next thing. This is going to sound weird, but... I'm I'm with you completely, Courtney, and here's where I think the league loves where, where they are right now. The league is afraid, and they should be of concussions. Mm-hmm. All right. young. So a 22-year-old kid who sits down to watch football wants to see probably two things. One is I'm, I'm allowed to kill a person. Like I can knock his block off. I can if I can fly if I can jack him up. Right, he jacked him up. If I'm 22, I'm like this is awesome. But they can't have that, and they're being sued, and it's a big concern. And plus, Ma and Pa don't don't like to think, oh, you know, three year old Jimmy someday might play football and get jacked up and then die at 52. So, so their next option is if you're 22, you like offense. Because if you play sound fundamental defense now. And let's just say it's by the book. It's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. I'm not going. I'm. I'm not. I can't fly across and hit guys. Mm-hmm. I can hit them and I can tackle them. But I think that the league now, the league realizes they've gotten to a point where where to sell their product to the the most appropriate age of what they want. Offense is going to reel them in, and the style of defense that that Zim plays now that's successful. We might enjoy it here, but to go back to your word, it's not really sexy to watch. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't grow up on George Atkinson's tackle of Lynn Swan and grabbing guys by Tatum. of guys grabbing by guys by the neck. I grew up on Sean Taylor. I, I grew up on guys yeah. blowing up guys over mm-hmm. the middle of the field and yeah. that smash mouth football that now is deemed reckless. That now is going to get you multiple unnecessary roughness calls and cost you a ton of money if you're one of these defensive players, especially if you're a defensive back. Anderson so, Dejo. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I think that guys who I mean it might be going off on a tangent there, but because of the way the game is now being called Players who used to play a certain style, that reputation has followed them, and they're being watched more closely than other players in the NFL. And, you know, I do think that that is part of the reason why you're seeing guys like Anderson Dejo as penalized as they are because the style that they play is no longer acceptable in today's NFL. And I think you run into a very stubborn something's got to give here notion because these guys are not changing the way they're going to play. We had a very intelligent conversation with George Iloka about this yesterday in the locker room that no, they're not going to change the way they're going to play. I mean, there's, there's nothing that you can really do. You've been teaching yourself to play the same way for 20 some years. You know how difficult that is. Even a slight adjustment is going to get yourself hurt, hurt, probably hurt the other player, or you're going to miss a tackle and you're not going to do, you're going to miss your assignment. You're not going to do your job. And that's, I think the 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 given the take that these NFL players are having to deal with, which is why you're seeing defensive play just look pretty bad all around. And to the original question of whether we like it or not, when we talk about the player safety part of it, I do overall. Like I, I don't want quarterbacks to not be touched. I want quarterbacks to be hit. I want them to be football players. I want toughness to be a major part of you being a quarterback. At the same time, I loved Steve Atwater. Like, top 10 player for me to watch. 
that man did things that would be so ejectable that it's ridiculous in today's mm-hmm. game. And you know what? It's much better that it's that way. I, that's how I'm looking at it is even though I love Junior Seau and I love Steve Atwater and John Lynch, it's the same way that I loved when I was growing up fighters, Tony Twist and Rob Ray and, right. and, and Bob Prober. Right. But like that is not good at all for hockey to have these guys lining up at center ice and just smashing each other's heads in as we've gone along and we've learned more about the long-term effects of the concussions. That was, that was not good for anybody. And I think the same thing goes for knocking people out over the middle of the field. And, and even if you just had that and not the quarterback thing, you would still be talking about increasing passing and where we are right now. I think we're very close to a happy medium, as much as I want to appreciate the great defenses, and the Jaguars and Vikings really were last year, so it's not like nobody can play defense anymore. But as as much as I want to have defense rewarded and I enjoy the great defensive teams, I think we've reached a point where if we go any farther, then I'll have an issue with it. But at this point, I'm I'm good with having... Players be more safe and lots of entertaining games with quarterbacks going back and forth. I would like some definition on quarterback hits. Yeah, I agree with it. You. Frustrate, yeah. It frustrates me right now because you watch these hits and from crew to crew, they don't have a clue. No, and I mean the Michael Bennett hit, for what it's worth. That's was, not a hit. Can we, that's, we can't call it He a hit. wrapped him up around the legs. Kirk Cousins technically should have been penalized for that because he put all his body weight on him. He sat on him. <laughs> all 190 pounds of Kirk Cousins or whatever it is sat down on top of Michael Bennett. So, I don't know. But the, we, only, the only thing I think Michael Bennett should be penalized for is his damn shoulder pads. Those things are ridiculous. How is that legal? I've had multiple people ask me about like why he was wearing a tank top. And <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's just very weird looking. I miss old shoulder pads, man. The ones that are just basically wearing a cardboard <laughs> why, box. Why doesn't anyone with have a neck, neck, neck with, roll? With, with a big neck roll. How about the Brian Cox? It wasn't a neck roll, but it was a neck thing that yes. like, stuck right up behind his head. It looks like, like an airplane seat. Yes. Yeah, it's like a Hans device for a race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> right. What happened to that? Nobody wears pads anymore. Oh, because Jason, you can't Jason, hit, you can't tackle players. Yeah, that's guess, why. I guess yeah, that's true. It's not what, dangerous. I mean, it's got somebody has to do something about that with Bennett. Like, come on, that can't be legal. You've got to have some jersey out there. Is it because offensive linemen? How holding? is his shoulders not gotten? Because it doesn't even look like he's wearing shoulder pads at all. But he is right. He's got. They're, I mean, they're just I way. Have hot, to be, and you just probably place them like it's like yeah. He's wearing shoulder pads all the way from back. Pop Warner. Like he's wearing like a like a ten year old's shoulder pads. I, I think he's trying to avoid getting held. I've, by tucking it in yeah, like that, okay. that the uh, offensive lineman can't look. grab the jersey. Because even Mike Zimmer has brought up on multiple occasions that they're letting linemen hold. Although I don't see linemen having more he success. He out and out said that, said that yesterday. Yeah. In He's, his press conference, he said there. He said because he misspoke at first, and he said they're not allowing holding. And then he and then he amended yeah, he it to be back. like they're allowing holding. Yes. He yes. said it week two after Green Bay, which I'm yep. sure the league loves. Oh sure. Now Absolutely. they're allowing holding. All right, we'll take a break. More football hour after this. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Hey. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. How does winning a $100 StubHub gift card, Bluetooth speaker, or Dunkin' Donuts gift card just for listening to 1500 ESPN sound. Well, those prizes and more are up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds. 
Otherwise, the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to 1500ESPN.com and start winning. Football hour rolls on. Zolgad, Collar, Cronin, Manny Hill. 651-646-8255. If you would like to join the football hour conversation, we will wrap with Royce next. And then after that will be the Purple Live show with uh, Collar and Cronin. All right. The National Football Conference for you three, I thought was going to be absolutely outstanding. I didn't think it through, though. Because guys, <laughs> no, seriously, guys get guys get hurt. Mm-hmm. Things happen. What is your opinion and or thoughts on, on the conference now, five weeks in, with San Francisco now having lost a quarterback, so basically he's out. Seattle, we know, is not very good. But what do you think of this conference now with the Vikings sitting at 2-2-1? Uh, two, two and one? I think that there are two teams that are way better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. One team I'm not quite sure but might be, and then the rest is just a cluster. You got the New Orleans Saints at 4-1, and one, and the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles are both, I think, far and away of everybody else, the most dangerous teams maybe in the whole NFL because they can play some level of defense, as New Orleans proved last night, where they had struggled early in the year. The Rams are a very complete team. The team that I'm not really sure on yet is Chicago. That's what I was going to say. Right? I mean, so they could very well be the third of the three best teams far and away. Oakland made them. Yeah, right, exactly. Without that trade, we're not talking about the Bears like this. But everybody else, I'm unsure. I'm unsure of Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit I'm of where t- we stand yeah. because Detroit has two wins, but they came against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I think that what we're going to find out here with the Bears since they're coming off their bye is, are is this team for real? Because I know some of the complaint out there has been, well, they haven't faced, outside of Aaron Rodgers, they haven't faced the elite of the elite in quarterbacks. Well, they've got Miami coming up next week, whatever. Then they then they face then they face the Patriots at Miami home. said the same thing about you. Th- thanks. Tell, like, tell tell them um, they were like Courtney Cronin, whatever. Tell them give them a your mom joke or something like okay. that. I don't know. That's I can't think of anything. Joke. That's what she said. Um, but I think <laughs> don't the, encourage them. Just just keep going. It's it's this stre- when it comes to college, just keep going. <laughs> it's this said. stretch. We oh my god. Um, it's this stretch <laughs> that the Bears have coming up. That's going to either I think. I wouldn't say it's going to make or break them yet because they do have some pretty mediocre teams. Miami. I was not all in on Miami when they were three and one. I thought that that's right. I still think that's a facade. They've got the Patriots and they've got the Jets, the Bills, and the Lions. They're going to be for a long time, it seems, yeah. far far and above everybody else in the NFC North. Probably until some of those later games. Obviously, with the Vikings and the tiebreaker that's going to come up, probably into play in Week Twelve when they have the Packers, but. I don't really know when we're going to find out when they're for real. I'm just kind of waiting for some sort of misstep here because they really haven't faced that great of teams yet. But their defense, you know, do I believe that Prince of Mukamura has kind of had his like second coming now? No, I don't. I think that that was kind of a fluke play, great play against Seattle. But their defense is basically their defensive line. But they could be like six and two. After it, it, mm-hmm. after eight games, just because of their their schedule and because their defense is playing well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that their defense we knew even before this year. I know everybody wants to talk about Khalil Mack and, and you know just it, the Raiders' ineptitude and honestly, probably some of the jealousy between John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie that went on there to create this giant cluster F that's happening out in Oakland. Um, <laughs> I, like I like the passion. You know, I do think that. The Bears' defense, we knew they were going to be this good. We, yeah. we knew mm-hmm. they were going to be yep. sneaky good mm-hmm. um, in 2018, but 
can Trubisky keep up? I think he's going to be their Achilles heel. So the Detroit Lions, to me, are the wild card or the team that could be a wrench or a thorn in everyone's side because they play the Vikings twice in the last eight weeks. They also play Chicago twice in the last eight weeks. They could entirely swing the division. And after watching them play, I've seen almost every Detroit game, and I think sometimes they look like a Super Bowl team, and sometimes they look like they can't get out of their own way. I mean, even if you throw the first week aside against the Jets and say, well, you know, it was a fluke, and they were in that game mostly and then let it completely fall apart against Sam Darnold, it's been very up and down for them. But they are a talented enough team that they could get it together. They only lost by three points to San Francisco and two points to Dallas. So it wasn't like the games they lost other than the Jets game were a mess. So then they played the Vikings, and then they played the Bears a couple of but times. But the Packers gave them the game on Sunday because Mason Crosby yes. missed, what, four yes. field goal five. attempts and five five, five kicks total? total. Okay. Yeah, but so. <laughs> my point is just that if they're if they get it together yep. and are actually a dangerous team, they could throw a wrench in everybody's plans, the Bears and the Vikings. I do th- worry about their defense, though, because they were up, what, at the end of 24-0? to zero, The and Lions? Then they, yeah, the Lions. The, sec- the secondary is good. The defensive line, not so much. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's reason for that. I mean, they spent a lot of their draft capital on offense this year. Yeah. Um, but that's that's on, that's my only concern. But I'm with you. I think that the Lions are kind of that sleeper team in the NFC North, particularly just given the last few weeks of how you know up and down things have been. And once they can break this thing open, they could really, really stress, I think the the, the standings. The uh, NFC East is a, a mess. disaster. Total, it's a mess. Yeah. yeah, it's just not very good. Who can come up with the best word to describe the NFC East without saying the second half of cluster bleep? I mean, just <laughs> like this. What a disaster that the NFC East is. I thought that it would actually be pretty interesting and good. And Direct. instead, you go team by team. Washington just got all four of the teams. It's all four good. teams are a net negative and point differential it's, right now. It's direct right now. Dallas has yeah. no wide receivers. The Giants didn't draft a quarterback. They kept Eli, and that's going to bite them in the ass for years to come. Philadelphia is all getting hurt and players who do not look like they did last year. Yep. I was really shocked to see Steven Weatherly blowing back Lane Johnson. I mean, that was like, are you serious? But that's what happens when you play 19 games the week uh, the year before. And then the Giants... They're already dramatic, if yeah. anyone is surprised by that, and Pat that Shermer, Odell Beckham is, is causing drama. Is Pat Shermer going to make it there? Well, I hope so. I, 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 I do, too. I, I, really like I think ever saying finito in a press conference means you're automatically there for two years. <laughs> it's a bad fit, though. You that dra- market is you a bad fit You draft Saquon Barkley? I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't know what you're doing in today's NFL and drafting you, a running back that high. And you, you hired an offensive coach who should get his quarterback. Like right. They should have gone to yeah. Pat and said, which one do you want? Josh Rosen would have been so perfect yeah. for yeah. New York and for that team and for that offense, and instead they go with a running back in 2018 that high. All right, come back and wrap with Roycey. That'll be followed at 6 o'clock by Purple Live with uh, Collar and Cronin, 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic before we wrap with Royce here. 35W southbound, we still have that crash that's got things closed down to to uh, a couple of lanes. The left lane is closed. Uh, that is near the, the uh, Minnesota River in Burnsville, adding about 12 minutes to your commute. 35W northbound, we have a crash 
in Richfield between Lindale and 60th Street. At, uh, prepare for a couple minutes there. And uh, 94 eastbound, we have a crash adding about 10 minutes to your commute. That is in St. Paul near uh, Highway 61 and Mounds Boulevard. It is time to wrap with Patrick. Did you see who's got the plate for tonight's Red Sox-Yankees tilt, sir? Oh, yeah, Angels. Angels got him. Go get him, Angel. I don't think he's quite as rotten behind the plate as he is other places. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's uh, – but this problem tonight is the ball's an inch off the corner. It'll be uh, – everybody will be raising hell. We got to get rid of the fox trap box there. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem with umpiring. Just let them call strikes like they used to when Maddox and Clavin pitched. Man, get that game moving. So no, no electronic strike zone. Just, just have them get rid of the fox box and allow them just to call the right. Eric Gregg yeah, outside. Call outside. Like they used to. Ed, let's call them. Uh, call it like they used to. Call them like Eric Gregg called them. Huh? Oh. You couldn't. You couldn't reach it with a paddle. But okay. yeah. Pat, Pat, Angel, what you know, it is funny how Angel's bad at umpires. He is. He's worse at first base than he is. What, what's his deal with first base? Is yeah, he, uh, that's that's what we were talking about. Is like every every single controversial, even the you know the the old Hawk Harrelson thing. The and another bone yeah. call by Hernandez. That was that was the thing at first base that he blew. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's crazy. But Pat, what are they going to do? about some of these umpires that are just not very good and i know it's only a, a few of them but what, are, well, what, what is baseball going to do about this going to do the same thing the nba does with rotten officials and the nfl does with rotten officials the nhl does with rotten officials they're going to keep putting them out there there's uh not enough good ones i've always thought you should uh pay uh you know a 25 percent premium and have uh hat you know, only have half of your umpires work the plate, but uh, yes, that's uh, you know. But you get you'd have to pay them a hell of a lot more money if you uh, if that was the case. Plus, you you know, you'd have to have A squad umpires and B squad umpires. But here's another thing, guys: these guys get four or five weeks vacation during the season now. So there's not only do you have four times fifteen, that's sixty, right? Yep. You got another forty guys showing up to umpire. Uh, these minor league guys, they keep going up. And, and uh, if you think the game's bad now with how long it's taken in the strike zones, all these young guys have these little tiny strike zones. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So five weeks vacation, is that why Joe West is uh, not retiring? Is that why he's probably going to come back? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I heard you guys ripping Joe. Joe's not. Joe's a pretty good plate umpire. And uh, can't bend down. Joe's, Joe's problem is once in a while he's out on the field and he gets bored. He makes a bad call just so people will yell at him. Just so Ozzy Gain will get be, mad at him, right? Yeah, yeah. He wants to. He wants to be in the center of attention, so he'll do something stupid just to fire people <laughs> up. There's always been bad umpires, but uh, you know we just know more about them now because we get to see. You know, we get to see on replay how they were how bad they were and show it 20 times. Listen, this game has gotten completely ridiculous, though, as showing us a replay to see if a guy was out or safe by two inches at second base. Uh, You know, I still think that baseball, the umpires should be able to say, too close, we're not looking at it. We're not going to review it. (laughs) We're not going to, too close, we're not going to look at it. Let's go. Come on. The the no. Angels stat at first base I saw today, Patrick, is the past three years there have been eighteen challenges for Angel calls at first base. Past three years, fourteen, yeah. fourteen overturned. <laughs> yes, but here's the other thing you always hear. Well, they get ninety eight percent of them right. Yes, by 
eight-year-old grandson can get 96% of them right. <laughs> Correct. It's the 4% that are, in other words, they might get half of the close ones right, is what they're saying, right? Yes. Out of 100 plays, how many are close? 2%, 3%? 3%? Right. You know, 4%. Yes, you get 96 point or. You know, uh, Stevie Wonder could get 85%, right, for God's sake, uh, you know. From the sound. Just by hearing the gloves. Yes, yes. Uh, they always say we get nine. They've always been rotten, you know, okay. It, but but I I really do think calling balls and strikes is probably the hardest job in in in, in, in umpiring or refereeing or anything. I, I do think it's the hardest thing there is. But, but we'll see how Angel Angel's got no chance tonight, though. If he misses three pitches, you know. oh yeah, they'll, they'll get on him at any. And well, he's such an arrogant. The other problem he's got against him is he's an arrogant jackass. But <laughs> we like Ed Hockley, who's an arrogant jackass, you know. But we don't like football, baseball. Pat. We don't like baseball umpires who are arrogant jackasses. Well, the funny thing about Angel last night was the the last challenge that he had, the the last one that he missed. It was so it was so blatantly obvious that he missed it that they didn't even review it very long. They went and you know they they called it into to New York and like the, you could even hear Brian Anderson on the broadcast said, "Yeah, no, this isn't going to take very long." And sure enough, it was like ten seconds. They looked at it and boom, yeah, no, nope, overturned that. Who's stuck with him? Who's uh, who's running that crew? Who's the senior umpire? I haven't been following. Not you know, sure. and the one thing about him getting to do a, you know, to getting in the postseason. Well, that used to be an honor now, but all of them get, you know, sixty percent of them get in the postseason now because you got somebody, you know, so many rounds of the playoffs now. So it's not like he's really being rewarded. He just, he just, you know, they all get the work done. All the guys who've been around get the work done by the season, but he just carries himself so. Uh, so uh, with such arrogance, so that's another reason everybody hates him. Hey Pat, when when does this Butler thing end? You got any clue? Uh, Tips is your buddy. When's, it, when's their next exhibition game? Wednesday. That's it. Wednesday, is that, is I that think it, it is, and, that, it, yeah. and that's it because they open a week from tomorrow. I would imagine that Taylor has told uh, Butler uh, told uh, Tibbs that he's got to have it done by Thursday or Friday. I don't think I heard you guys talking, and he doesn't want to trade him and all that. But uh, he also has to fear Glenn getting on the phone and calling Mickey, whatever his name is, down in Miami, making the making the trade. So uh, you know, he's uh, there's two possibilities that are going to happen here. Uh, Glenn's going to, I mean, he's going to make a trade by the end of this week, or Glenn's going to fire. You know, one of the two. They're not Butler will. They're not going to like play it out with Butler. It's uh, Glenn's not going to. I don't think Taylor's going to put up with this. He's not going to start the season with this mess. So, well, what, what was it, Judd? The the tweet from Mark Stein that said that apparently the deal that the Wolves turned down over the weekend involved Josh Richardson it and a protected first round yes, pick. Correct. Yeah, but 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 they also would have had to take Deion Waters or Waiters or something like that to make the money match. So, you know, it's they right. they also had to take. Uh, some dead weight from Miami. It's not just those. Those two guys didn't work financially. Just because Richardson right. was making nine million dollars. So, but that's so, the problem. Uh, that's the problem with trying to get this deal done. Is Pat Riley's just trying to cast off his garbage contracts to yeah, you know, to get, to get Jimmy rid Butler. of Tyler Johnson or Deion Waiters and Tyler Johnson making twenty million dollars. Unbelievable. So you know. So I I thought the trade to make 
was Butler for Olnick and uh, and Richardson, the Money Works. You know, the, yeah. the Money Works on that one, let's go. And you can get rid of Georgie Jing some other time. But it's going to happen this week. Uh, it's going to happen this week. And by the way, Judd, yeah. uh, your fallback position as a media guy has always been, you can always call up, maybe sneak back to the Star Tribune. Yeah. Uh, Glenn told us today that he's retiring in the middle of November, so that one's off the charts, off the back. I just saw you. that. It's been, great guy. Yep, yeah, he was. Uh, he's been a good guy. And my new friend years. Chris Carr will be hearing plenty about himself in the coming years. days on these airwaves. Yeah, it's, it's all over for you, baby. Here, radio <laughs> or nothing. Radio or nothing, or you can you can get wow. one of those old pay for Judd websites like everybody, you know, uh, websites and all our other. Glenn Crevier is a good man. He's a good man. Yes, yes, he was. And you know but, what? Uh, Sid's still around. Dr- yes, and uh, of course. Uh, you know who liked him. You know who liked him a lot, Sid. But now that he's not the boss anymore, he might. He'll be. He'll, Sid'll be moving on here to somebody else. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sid'll be butting up to Chris Carr by tomorrow morning. No question about it. Thanks, Pat. Talk to you later. All right. Yeah, see you, Pat. All right. Wrapping with Royce is what we do at the end of each uh, Mackie and Judd show from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are done, uh, but the local programming continues on. Collar and Cronin next with Manny Purple Live coming your way. Talk to you tomorrow.